Well, good morning. Welcome to PBC. My name is Dan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, our pastor of college and young adults. And I want to take a moment just right here at the beginning of the service to get a, give a little plug for YAF, our young adult fellowship. That's right, in the back. Thank you. Uh, YAF is a, it's a group of young adults in their 20s and 30s. We meet each Thursday evening, uh, typically here at the church. This next week, we're meeting at my house in the backyard for a barbecue. Uh, and this is a great time of year to, to jump into community. We get a lot of new people this year who uh, just moved here for work or for grad school or just want to get more plugged into community. And so if you are a young adult and looking to get more plugged in, please come up, introduce yourself to me after the service. I'd love to give you uh, more information about that and help you get plugged in. Well, this morning I have with me up here an almond croissant. Uh, an almond croissant is one of my favorite breakfast treats. Really, I think it's about the perfect breakfast treat. It's, it's light and flaky. It's nice and buttery. It's a little bit sweet, but not too sweet. It's got that, you know, a little bit of a gooey almond filling, beautiful almonds and powdered sugar on top. I mean, it, it just checks all of the boxes, uh, unless you're keto, I guess, then, you know, good luck. So I've got, some, I've got some good news and some bad news for all of you this morning. The bad news is that most of you will not be able to eat this almond croissant today. Okay, there's many more of you than I have croissants here. Uh, but the good news is that one of you will get to eat this croissant. Okay? There's a catch, though. The catch is that you may not eat it. You may not touch it. You may not taste it until you are out on the patio after the service. Even if you are sitting out on the patio now, you would have to wait okay, until after the service. Uh, so, with that caveat, do I have any volunteers? All right, we've got one in the back. Come on up. Come on up. All right. Now, even on that long walk back, you have to resist the temptation, okay? What, what's your name? Kristen. All right. Enjoy that after the service, Kristen. Okay. Okay. That's right. This morning, we are wrapping up our series on the fruit of the Spirit that we've been in this summer, looking at these various virtues that show up in Galatians chapter 5. And the last virtue that we're going to look at together this morning is self-control. Yes, and Kristen is going to be practicing, demonstrating self-control for us this morning. So we're going to be checking back in on the status of that croissant as we go a little bit this morning. Okay, we're feeling good so far. Well, uh, self-control is a virtue that, that, that has to do with desire. When I, I showed this almond croissant this morning, that, that created in many of us, I'm sure, a desire to taste that croissant. And, and now, especially if you're kind of in this back part of the room, you might have a new desire as you kind of glance over at that croissant, perhaps to steal that croissant, Okay. Today, collectively, we are going to be practicing self-control. Self-control is the ability to resist that desire, right? to, to say no to it, to hold it at bay. We're going to be practicing, we're going to be thinking about that together this morning. When we started our series, we looked at the first fruit that comes in the list, which is love. 
And we talked about how love is, it's really the most important thing that shows up in this list. Love, it's meant to surround and to run through all of the other virtues. And that as followers of Jesus, love is meant to be incorporated into everything that we do. But some commentators note that self-control as the last item in the list is also given special emphasis, special attention. And I think that that's the case. We're gonna see that a bit this morning. Part of the reason that we can see this is because self-control has to do with desire and desire is fundamental to what it means to be human. That, that we are people who have desires. We have wants, we, we have loves, we have desire. And self-control is gonna be all about desire. James K.A. Smith is a philosopher theologian at Calvin College in Michigan. Uh, and he has a book called Desiring the Kingdom. And in that book, he poses the question, what fundamentally is a human person? Right? These are the questions that philosophers think about that the rest of us don't really have time for. But they think a lot about it. And philosophers over the years have thought a lot about this question. What in the most basic sense is a human person? And philosophers have answered this differently. So we think of the famous modern uh, philosopher, Rene Descartes, who said, I think, therefore I am. And what he was saying was that the most fundamental thing about a human person is that they think, right? You are a thinking thing in the most basic sense. And I think there's a lot of people in our valley and maybe a lot of us in this room who that, that, that kind of resonates with us, right? You spent a lot of time training your mind how to think well. You're a problem solver, you're a creative thinker, you know how to use your mind well. But is being a thinking thing really the most basic thing about you? Well, other philosophers came along and said, no, I don't think so. I think there's something more basic than the fact that you think, and that is that you believe. So you might be able to think your way through a complex physics problem, but you can only do that because you believe in the laws of physics. A lot of the reformers thought this way. But James Smith and others want to say, well, there's actually more going on. There's actually something more basic, something that, that drives us through the world that's more basic than our thoughts, more basic than our beliefs, and that is our desires. That we are desiring creatures. That, 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 that we're, we move through this world and we're sort of pulled along by those things that we love, those things that we want, those things that we desire. And self-control is going to be all about desire. Self-control, we could say, is the ability to restrain, retrain, and redirect unhealthy desires into a healthy desire for God. Okay, let me say that again. Self-control is the ability to restrain, that is to, to say no to, to retrain, to, to have mastery over, and to redirect unhealthy desires into a healthy desire for God. So we're gonna unpack that together a little bit this morning. When we look at the context of the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter five, uh, we see that desire is, is kind of all around this passage. And this is how we know that self-control is so important. So let's look, for example, a few verses before the list of the fruit. In Galatians 5, 16 and 17, we read this. Paul says, but I say to you, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, listen for all the ways that desire shows up here. 
For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So Paul here is affirming that we are creatures of desire, right? We, we are driven by our desires. And yet he says, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, who, who are born again and have the spirit of God living inside of us, we have some, some competing desires. On the one hand, he says, we have the desires of the flesh. Those, those are gonna be unhealthy desires, desires for things that are, that are selfish, sinful, uh, even evil, right? Desires of the flesh. And on the other hand, we have desires of the spirit, which are the desires that, that come from God. They're desires for God and for the things of God. And, and these sets of desires are, are in conflict inside of us. And so, so at, at, a, at a meta level, we might want to live a life that is pleasing to God. It's a desire of the spirit. But then we, we find ourselves faced with opposing desires with sinful desires. And sometimes those desires are going to win. Sometimes those desires are going to pull us in, right? We, we, we've all felt this tension, right? Let's think about our almond croissant, okay? Let's say you have decided that you want to start eating healthier. And then you're faced with an almond croissant. What do you do? Is it that you don't want to eat healthy anymore? No, you, you still want to eat healthy, but you also really want to taste this croissant, right? So there's going to be a, a little bit of a battle there. And, and if you decide to eat the croissant, it's not primarily because you think that it's a good idea. It's not because you believe that you deserve it. At the most fundamental level, if you eat the croissant, it's going to be because you want to, right? You, you desire it. You love it. You feel yourself drawn to it. And, and this is the way that our desire works. Now, with something like, like food, right, this might not necessarily be a moral kind of decision, but the same thing is going to be at play with something like, say, pornography. Right? We, we might have a desire not to look at pornography, and, and, and yet we might also find a desire to do it. We, we might find a, a desire to, to live a life that, that is holy and pleasing to God, and yet we might continually find ourselves coming back to this. And it could be that way with any kind of sinful habit. We don't want to do it on the one hand, but then we do want to do it on the other hand. And that space right there is the space where the spirit wants to grow us into people of self-control. People who can restrain, retrain, and redirect those unhealthy desires into a healthy desire for God. And so I wanna think about these, these sort of three aspects of self-control this morning. The, the restraining, retraining, and redirecting of our desires. Right after the list of, of the fruit of the Spirit, in Galatians 5, 24, we read this. It says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desire. Now, that might sound a bit strange, right? If we, who, who are following Jesus who have the spirit living inside of us, if it, if it is true that we have crucified the flesh with its passion and desire, why is it that we still find ourselves with these unhealthy and sinful desires? Well, well, the reason is because of something that theologians call the already not yet, right? Which just means that we already have received some of the benefits of the victory of Christ, 
but we have not yet received them in full. That that there's still more coming. So in the case of our desires, it is already the case that we have crucified the flesh with its desires. We are a new creation in Christ. The spirit has come inside of us. We are different than we were before. The power of our desires have been broken. But the desires still exist. They have not yet been fully removed. One day they will be, but they have not yet been fully removed from our character. And so as we live in this place, we need to learn how to restrain those desires. And the first step in being able to restrain those unhealthy desires is to recognize, to remind ourselves of what in fact is true, which is that the power that those desires once had over us has been broken. Full stop. Our sin does not have the power over us that it once used to. It might feel like it does at times. These desires are strong at times, very strong, but still the reality remains the same that the power of those desires has been broken. And so if we're going to learn to restrain those desires, to say no, we have to remind ourselves of that truth that the power of these desires has been broken. We have to remind ourselves that we are not enslaved to our desires. We're not. You can say no. You have an unhealthy desire. You can say no. You have that power. It's not your power. It's the power of the spirit of God living inside of you. But you can say no. The apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says it this way. He says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So here we, we see that the, the, the truth is, the reality is that, that there's always a way out of temptation. That whenever we're faced with any kind of unhealthy desire, through the spirit of God in us, we always have the ability to restrain that desire. There's a, a prayer that's been passed down through the history of the church. It's called the prayer of recollection. And in the prayer of recollection, we recollect or we remember, we remind ourselves of what is actually true of us now that we are in Christ. We remind ourselves that that we have been adopted into the family of God. The the blood of Christ has covered over us and we are completely forgiven. And we remind ourselves that the spirit of God lives in us to to bring about the character of Christ more and more each day, that the power that sin once held over us has been broken, that we are new creations. Thank you, God, right? But we need to remind ourselves of that. And so I pray this prayer of recollection. It's not like a set prayer, but it's just a prayer where you go through and you remind yourself, yes, I, I am forgiven. I am loved. I am a new creation. I'm not who I once was. I have the spirit of God living inside me. And I pray that every morning to remind myself of what is true of me, which is that, that my value, my, my merit is, is not based on the things that I do. It's not, good, it's not based on the amount of self-control that I might be able to show. It's not based on uh, the good or bad decisions that I make, but, but my value, my worth comes from having received the righteousness of Christ, having received the spirit inside of me. 
We need to remind ourselves of that which is true if we are going to be able to restrain the desires of the flesh that live inside of us. But restraining our desires isn't really enough. It's not going to get us far enough. Because you see, if, if you sit in front of that almond croissant for long enough and you get hungry enough, eventually your willpower is going to run out and you're going to eat it, okay? It's just going to happen. And so we also need to be able to retrain our desires, right? to, to take these desires that we have and, and, and say, how can I really gain mastery over them? How can I not be ruled by these desires? Charles Duhigg is an author, an author. He writes for the New York Times and he's written a book called The Power of Habit. And in this book, he, he writes about this habit that he used to have that he wanted to beat. He noticed that, that every day when he was in the office, in the afternoon, he would have this craving to go up to the cafeteria and buy a cookie and eat it. And he did this every day. And he was realizing that this habit, this pattern, was causing him to put on a few extra pounds. And he didn't want this extra weight. And so he realized, I need to, to break this habit. But in order to break a habit, that's going to take some energy, right? Keeping a habit doesn't require any energy. We just kind of do it without thinking. Breaking a habit or creating a new habit requires energy. It requires intentionality. So if we are going to retrain our desires, we have to recognize that, that retraining our desires takes intentionality, right? Retraining our desires, it's going to take some, some, some intentional thought. You don't, just, you don't just accidentally become more like Jesus, right? You don't just accidentally become a, a different kind of person. You don't just accidentally grow. You need to be intentional about these things. We, we, we need to recognize it's going to take some work on our part. It's going to take some intentionality if we are going to be able to, to retrain these desires that we have. But scripture gives us some guidance on how to do this. One of the ways that we can go about retraining our desires is through the spiritual discipline of fasting. Right? Fasting is a discipline where we say that for some period of time, I am going to refrain from eating. It could be a meal, it could be a day, it could be longer. Jesus started his public ministry with a long season of fasting. We read about this in Matthew chapter four. Matthew four, one to four says this. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after 40 days and 40 nights, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Right? That's gotta be the biggest understatement in all of scripture, okay? He's a little hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, Satan, Satan was trying to target Jesus' desire. Right? He said, Jesus, you're pretty hungry, right? Yeah. Well, well, well you're also God, so why don't you... Why don't you satisfy that hunger, right? Why don't you satisfy that desire? He was getting at Jesus' self-control among other things. And Jesus intentionally says, no, I'm gonna choose not to satisfy this desire. And that's what fasting does for us. Fasting helps us develop the discipline of restraining our desires. 
But you see, if I just decide not to eat an almond croissant, that's restraint. But if I wake up in the morning and I decide today I am not going to eat food, I'm going to fast for today. And then I do that again, and I do that again, and I do that again, and I do that again. Now I've changed that ability to, to exercise restraint into a kind of retraining of my desires. So the practice of fasting, when we engage in it over and over and over again, we, we move from just a mere restraining of our desires to an actual retrain, retraining of our desires. I can say no, right? And maybe when it comes to the almond croissant, it's not a big deal. But, but when it comes to something else, it might be a big deal, right? I, have, I find myself with this desire to lie to my boss, right? To just fudge the numbers a little bit in the hopes that it might look good, that maybe it would come back for a bonus or a promotion. But just because I have that desire, I can say no, because I've learned how to say no to my desires. This is what the discipline of fasting does for us. It helps us move from retraining, from uh, from restraining our desires to an actual retraining of our desires. But if we stop there, if we just stop after after kind of learning how to restrain and retrain our desires we're going to find ourselves pretty tired, okay? We're going to find ourselves pretty empty, just saying no, 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 no. But self-control is about more than just saying no. Because in addition to restraining and retraining our desires, we also want to be able to redirect those desires to God. To, to redirect desires for healthy things and recognize those are, those are gifts from God and to, to redirect our unhealthy desires, even those desires into a healthy desire for God. You know, David in the Old Testament, the shepherd who became king of Israel, he was a man of deep desire and passion. We see this in all kinds of ways in his life. And some of his desires were extremely unhealthy desires. And he acted on those desires and it made some incredibly poor decisions. We think of the rape of Bathsheba and and the murder of Uriah. He he was driven by his desire. He showed a a complete lack of restraint there, no self-control. And yet we also see in the life of David that he found that he, he was able to harness this desire that he had into, into a, a healthy desire for God. He was able to redirect that desire. We read about this uh, in what David writes in Psalm 27. Psalm 27, verse four, David says this. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. David says, there's, there's one thing. After all of this life that I've lived, after all of these desires I've experienced, there's now just one thing that I'm after, one thing that I really want, one thing that I really love. And God, that is to be in your presence, to be with you, to be able to, to, to set my eyes on you and see your beauty and your glory and just to be captivated by that. That's the one thing I want. David, David was able to move from even a lack of ability to restrain his desires through some retraining to be able to redirect that desire to God. And that's the invitation for us as well. 
Because you see, we, we've been created as people with desires. But what we need to understand is that our desires were created to be satisfied in God. Right? It's not an accident that we are people of strong desires, strong love. God, God made us that way. He built it into us and he did it for a reason. He did it because he wanted to be able to satisfy those desires. Right? But we look to all different kinds of things to satisfy our desire, our longing, our, our, our goals, our ambitions. We look, we look for all kinds of things. We try to fill this hole that we feel inside of us with people, with relationships, with money or power or sex, with ourselves and our own kind of fame. We try to fill that hole to satisfy that desire. And what we find is we just, we keep coming up short. We keep coming up empty. And the reason is because God has intentionally created this desire. He's put this desire in us so that he could satisfy us. And so we want to be able to to take our healthy desires Praise God for those and recognize that even those desires are reflections of the things of God. And we want to take our unhealthy desires and through this retraining, be able to redirect that desire that sits deep within us and find true satisfaction in God. That's what we're after. The retraining of our desires through self-control so that God, we can find God as the, the one that we were made to be in relationship with. So that's the invitation for us today. to to recognize that we have desires, we have strong desires, and to look to the Lord to satisfy those desires. You know, as as we look at this whole list of the fruit of the Spirit that that we've spent the summer kind of contemplating together, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, we look at this list, and pretty much anyone, right, Christian, non-Christian, could look at this list and say, these are good things. And if we could all do this, we would be better off. And yet it's, it's, it's hard to get there. Actually, Aristotle, the classic philosopher, he, he gave his life to thinking, what, what would it take to become a virtuous person? A person like we have enlisted in the fruit of the spirit. What would it actually take to get there? And do you know what he concluded? He concluded that it was basically impossible. He said, really, the only hope that you have is if you take a child who's very young and, and you train them very intentionally from a very young age to become this kind of person, maybe they could make it. But the rest of us, no hope, right? You can't do this. And you know what? I would agree. And Paul would agree that on our own, we can't do this. It's impossible. But again, the fruit of the Spirit is not this list of goals that we are to be after. The fruit of the Spirit is a description of the result, the fruit that comes from walking with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. We've been thinking together this summer, what what would it look like to be filled with the Spirit, to open up to Him so that He could grow these qualities in us just as a result of of His power at work within us? And we're going to have an opportunity in a few moments to maybe share some of how you've experienced that in our time of life together, to come up and share uh, what it's been like to try to open to the Lord in that. But first, we're going we're gonna to sing a few songs together as a way of responding to this. So I, I want to invite you to stand as we get ready to sing. If you're able, stand. And go ahead and, and, and close your eyes with me. And I just want you to, to notice with the Lord, what do you find yourself desiring today? 
What, what do you find yourself drawn to? What do you self, find your, your soul longing for? Just acknowledge that to the Lord. God has made us to be people of strong desire. And yet he, as the king, he is the one who is able to satisfy those desires. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our discipleship. He is worthy of our lives. And so let's just express to the Lord our desire to seek him more, to want him more, to worship him more purely and more truly. God, you are worthy. You are worthy. We want to find our fullness and our satisfaction in you. Fill this place, we ask Jesus. Fill this place. Sing together.